And when, when he got to Canaan, he was like an old man, 80 or 90 years old, but, but it says of Caleb that he still fought as a valiant warrior. Why? Why was he able to do this supernatural thing? Because God was with him. When you look at Joseph, over and over in the Old Testament story of Joseph, you see this phrase, chapter after chapter, it says God was with him. That's the kind of epitaph I want to have. When people stand up at my funeral and talk about the things that God has done through me, I want them to be able to say above all, God was with him. Well, I'm extremely grateful to be here today. I think I was supposed to be here in um, March or April, and of course that got delayed by all the chaos that it incurred when um, the coronavirus hit and all of the protocols and such that we are still working our way through. Um, uh, on March 13th of this year, uh, I was informed, um, well, we were all informed, basically, by the governor that schools were going to close for the remainder of the school year. Um, and so I went home that day not knowing if I would have a paycheck, and at that point I was no longer even on disability, um, and so I was like, what do I do, uh, God, what are you uh, doing? And we... I was fortunate enough that my employer was able to get a payroll protection grant, so they were able to pay me for the rest of the school year. But then um, from March until um, from March until June, I don't think I ever left the house except for one time to go through the drive-thru at a bank. And I can still count on one hand the number of times I left the house for something other than church. So it has definitely been an interesting time and a challenging time for me. And um, if you're looking up here and you notice that I, I might look like I'm in a little bit different chair than I was last time I was here, uh, that's because it is a different chair. Uh, it's not my chair. Uh, my chair broke down uh, last Wednesday and... So it was just another trial that God has put me through, and I'm trying to fix up this loner uh, the best I can to make it until the part comes in, and there's no timeline on that. Uh, but all that to say that God is still good, is he not? Amen. Uh, he still is active. He still is working. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh trusting God in hard times. And I was really considering um, the book of John chapter 15. So if you could turn there, that would be awesome. We're taking our text uh, today from John chapter 15, or no, John 16, sorry. John 16, starting in verse 13, and we will continue on today through the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 33. And uh, 
So, I have four points today. And the first reason that we have hope uh, listed in this text today is that we have the Holy Spirit as a guide. If you remember, this section of scripture that we are going through right now is known as the Upper Room Discourse or the Olivet Discourse. Some people say that Jesus uh, said all this stuff while he was in the Upper Room. Uh, other people say uh, that he may have been traveling a little bit while he was talking about this stuff, but we know that um, toward the end of this section, he says, arise and let us be going. And so uh, the supposition that he was in the upper room giving these messages to the disciples is a sound one. Um, but in our first section, in 13 through... In uh, John 16, 13 through 16, we read... Um, How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify you, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall shew it unto you. A little while and you shall see you shall not see me, and again a little while you shall see me, because I go to my father. Now, in this uh brief uh text we see that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember he said, I'm going to send you a comforter, I will not leave you comfortless. And he, he even says at one point, it's expedient that I go away so that you can experience the Spirit of God. Why, why would that be the case? Because when Jesus was on the earth with the disciples, he restricted himself to his physical body, which meant either the twelve were with him or they weren't with him. He was a person just like you and I are, even though he was 100% God, he was still allowing himself to be confined to the constraints of humanity. So Jesus says, when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit. And we see in the Old Testament that God's Holy Spirit came upon people for um, certain points in time, like when he came upon Saul when he was first anointed king and Saul prophesied. But then the Holy Spirit very dramatically left Saul when he went against God's will. Perhaps that's why when David sinned, he said, take not your spirit from me and also restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because David knew that apart from the mercy of God, the Holy Spirit would be taken away. But this manifestation of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about is the one that you and I experience today. That the Holy Spirit of God is and can be 
upon each of us. And he says some interesting thing here. He says, Howbeit when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now truth is quite a quite a buzzword today, right? But it's not a buzzword in the right way because what is the common phrase? You have to be true to your truth. Let me be true to my truth. The problem with that is that truth only has power when it's a definitive article. And if my truth is different from your truth and your truth is different from my truth and we're supposed to respect everybody's truth, truth means nothing. And in our culture today, that's where we're at. Truth is relative and we see chaos and we see all kinds of confusion. Why? Because we have gotten away from the standards of Almighty God. And then he says, uh, He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know, the disciples were nervous because Jesus had said multiple times, I'm going to leave you, and now he's saying it again. And they're like, what, what do you mean leave us? We left everything to follow you, and now you're going to leave us. Remember, Peter said, when Jesus said, well, you go away also after the feeding of the 5,000, and most of the people that just wanted a free meal, they just they just hightailed it out of there and, and left. And what did Jesus say? He said, will you go away also? And Peter's response was, Lord, where shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so now he's saying, I'm going to leave you a little while and you will not see me. And a little while you will see me again. Of course, he's talking about, I think, uh, on multiple levels. First of all, he's talking about the immediate future that they, they see him now and they and then they, he will be crucified and, and die and then he'll rise again. But as we go on, you know, I think we'll see that he's talking about his is coming again as well. But the idea here is, I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you without resource. You know, in the, in the chaos that we have today, um, sometimes it can feel like nothing's going right. You know, like, I, when my chair broke down last week, I was like, well, this is the last thing that I needed, Lord. What, what are you doing? And uh, all throughout this whole pandemic process, it's been one lesson and one lesson after another in the in the verse, "Be still and know that I am God." You know how hard it is for me to be still. It's not very easy for me to be still. I want to be out and about with my friends. Jesus spent time with people and got to know people and encouraged people's hearts and that's the kind of person that I want to be. And then uh, so he says he you and then a little while and you shall see me because I go to my father. 
So he's getting ready to go to his father. That's why he's laid out that the comforter, the Holy Spirit, is coming. So we can have confidence in this time of trouble that we have access to the Holy Spirit as a guide. That's why the Proverbs say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It doesn't say in some of your ways. I don't know about you, but I can be guilty of only crying out to God when I have a major crisis on my hand. Instead of praying every single day, Lord, what do you want me to do? When Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, what was his first question? What do you have for me to do? And that needs to be our first question as well. Um, if we can look at First uh, John four thirteen and 14, if one of the gentlemen gets there and could stand and read that for us, First John four thirteen and 14. I do this for two reasons. Number one uh, is it helps me not have to turn so much in my Bible. The other reason is to keep you awake. <laughs> so, First John four thirteen and fourteen. Hereby we know that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So the Holy Spirit tells us that we are Christians, that we are His. And to continue on in that, Ephesians chapter 1 says, we are sealed at the moment of conversion by the Spirit of promise. And we need to, again, rely on the Holy Spirit as a guide. I have this story here. It says, Dr. A.J. Gordon tells of a Welsh preacher who, having been scheduled to preach one night, asked to be allowed to withdraw for a time before the service. He remained in seclusion so long that the good man of the house sent his servant to request him to come and meet the waiting congregation. As she came near the room, she heard what seemed to be an indication of a conversation between two parties, and, 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 though, in subdued, and, though, of subdued, and though in subdued tone of voice, she caught the words, I will not go unless you go with me. Without interfering, she returned and reported, He will come all right, and the other will come too. And sure enough, when he came, the other one came along, and with such power that it proved a wonderful service in which many found newness of life. It is both our privilege and duty thus to allow the Holy Spirit to work along with us as we endeavor to teach others about the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can't go in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no reason to go. I'm reminded of, of the children of Israel. Remember, God says, go and take the land of Canaan. He said this like two or three weeks ago, two or three weeks after they left Egypt. He said, I will be with you. Go take the land of Canaan. And they sent the 12 spies. And they came back and said, everything's so good there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are huge. Everything's so great. But, but there's giants in the land. 
And our courage is gone from us. But two men said, Caleb and Joshua, they said, God has already given us the land. Let's go take it. But those ten, they convinced the children of Israel not to go. And they were struck dead. And the rest of the Israelites were told, you will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And when you have all died, your children will take the land. With the exception of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when, when he got to Canaan, he was like an old man, 80 or 90 years old, but, but it says of Caleb that he still fought as a valiant warrior. Why? Why was he able to do this supernatural thing? Because God was with him. When you look at Joseph, over and over in the Old Testament story of Joseph, you see this phrase, Chapter after chapter, it says God was with him. That's the kind of epitaph I want to have. When people stand up at my funeral and talk about the things that God has done through me, I want them to be able to say, above all, God was with him. Because that's the difference maker. This man was able to make a difference in the service that he preached because he prayed for the Holy Spirit to come with him and he said, I will not go unless you go with me. So the first, so they they decided not to go into Canaan and take Canaan. Then they go to this little place, much littler than the people of Canaan. And they say, let's take this city. We can do it by ourselves. But they didn't inquire of the Lord. And they got their butts whipped, to use the modern vernacular. Because they went without God. May it never be said of us that we go without God. All right, so the first point is we have the Holy Spirit as a guide. So moving on to our second point, um, God brings joy out of sorrow. So um, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a guide, and then he also brings joy out of sorrow. John sixteen seventeen to 22. Uh, John sixteen seventeen to 22 says, Then said some of his disciples among themselves, Why is this that he saith among us a little while, and you shall not see me? And again a little while, and you shall see me? And because I go to the Father? They said, Therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said on and said unto them do you inquire among yourselves of that i said a little while and you shall not see me and again a little while and you shall see me verily i say unto you that you shall weep and lament but the world 
shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Um, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of that child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And so as we look at this, we see the disciples are puzzled about what Jesus said. Even though he said it, this is at least the third time, if not the fourth time, that he's saying these things, they're still puzzled. They don't understand. And I think it's it's really uh, important for us to acknowledge as human beings that there are times when it is difficult for us to understand uh, what is going on. and But it's encouraging to us that if the disciples could have this discouragement and still be used by God, then we can surely have the same hope. And uh, the interesting thing about Jesus is he was able to read thoughts. So he just says, do you inquire among yourselves of that I said? And then he goes into what he said and uh, he says, a little while and you shall see me, and again a little while you shall not see me. And very, verily, verily I say unto you, you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So they would have sorrow seeing Jesus go to the cross. And then they would have joy when he rose again. And he gives the he gives the word picture here of a woman going into labor, uh, being in travail, travail. Remember, God said to Eve, "You will have pain in childbearing." It was part of the curse. And yet, when Eve had her children, she said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." So, there is pain because of a curse but there's a blessing of the child. And Jesus said, you will go through that yourselves. There will be pain and there will be blessings. So, that is something that we can take heart in. When there is a trial that we are going through, when there is pain that we are going through on this earth, we can take the we can take knowledge of the fact that as was mentioned earlier, nothing passes by without the knowledge of Almighty God. He knows what he is doing, he has a plan that he is working out. You ever think about the fact the devil thought that he had won. He was Laughing, I'm sure, as Jesus went to the cross. He's like, Jesus is gone. But God just sat back and counted to three. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus 
is telling the disciples, not in so many words, you will see me again soon. Why? Because I have power over death. Remember he said, no man takes my life, but I have power to give up my life, to surrender my life, and then to take it up again. And God is, Jesus is basically telling the disciples, do not worry, do not fear. I will be with you. He already said that he would leave the Holy Spirit of God because he was leaving to go to his Father. But he said, you will see me again. Do not sorrow. Do not fear. Your sorrow will be short-lived. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. 2 Corinthians 4, If someone could read that, I would appreciate it. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, the things which are not seen are eternal. So, this is Paul's perspective, and he is talking about the afflictions that we go through in daily life, but he's also talking from practical experience of the afflictions that he went through as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, God told Ananias when he went to heal Paul from his blindness, Paul will be my minister to the Gentiles and will suffer many things because of me imagine having that introduction into your Christian faith you will suffer many things for God and yet that was what God said and yet he also said to Paul on numerous occasions I still have work for you to do I will protect you there was one time in Acts where he said I have many people in this city do not fear and there was another time when Paul was about to be shipwrecked when he said, hold fast, don't let anybody leave the ship. Tell them if everybody stays on the ship, you will be saved. If they try to leave, they'll be in trouble. But if they stay on the ship, they'll be saved. Paul was a living testimony to the fact that God is faithful. And at the end of his life, he was able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. What a blessing to be able to say that by the Lord's grace and providence, Lord willing. 
A Brahmin of distinction in western India embraced the gospel and was baptized. By this act, he lost possession of his houses, his fields, his wells, his wife, and his children. Such was, an in, such was the inexorable law of caste. On asked how he bore his sorrows, he replied, I, I am almost, I always, often asked that. But I have never asked how I bear my joys. For I have joys within which a stranger intermeddles not. The Lord Jesus sought me and found me a poor strayed sheep in the jungles. And he brought me to his fold and he will never leave me. Paul said, all the things that I had, I count but lost that I might gain Jesus Christ. May we have that attitude ourselves. The third point, Jesus is our intercessor. John sixteen twenty three to 27. John sixteen twenty three, And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Here, hitherto you, hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall be received, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. And that at that day you will ask in my name, and I say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because you love me, and have believed that I came out from God. So in this we see that Jesus has said, you haven't really asked me for anything. But in this new reality, you will ask in my name, you will have access to the Father in my name to ask whatever you will. And I will intercede for you. The Bible says that he intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I, I think it's important to note here that he gives us what we need, not what we want. Now, sometimes he gives us what we want. He gives us more than we expect a lot of times. But I think a proper understanding of this is not like a vending machine type of God. There's another verse that says, if we ask according to his will, he hears us. So there are parameters, but basically Jesus is saying, you have access to the Father through me, directly. You can ask things in my name, and I will pray for you. Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, is interceding before the Father, bringing your name before Him? That's a pretty 
awesome, humbling thought. To think that the God of the universe looks down and sees little old me and says, I'm going to bring him up to my father. I'm going to pray for him that he would do what he needs to do, that he would do my will. That's a that's a pretty solid, pretty solid offer. You can't really beat that. So Jesus is our intercessor. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. If somebody can read that, that would be awesome. Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. For he is our peace, who had made both one, and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So, again, talking about the intercession and the way that he has broken down the partition. Remember, uh, before Jesus died, there was a temple with two parts to it. There was the outer court. There was actually two outer courts because there was like a Gentile court and a Jewish court. And then there was the inner court, the Holy of Holies. And at the time that Jesus was dying, the time that Jesus died, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. The Holy of Holies was thrust open. Why? Because whereas these Old Testament high priests would go in once a year for the sins of the people, Jesus died unto sin once. He paved the way for us to be able to see into the Holy of Holies and to enter the throne of grace. Because His blood was a once for all sacrifice that the Old Testament sacrifices were only a picture of. What a wonderful uh, Jesus we have. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Jesus, as the hymn writer says. Ask God for deliverance when danger is near. In the flood at Pablo, Pablo... Pueblo, Colorado, a few years ago, a woman was trapped in an overturned railroad car, unable to get out, and the water rising until it was up to her neck, and holding a child in her arms. Her case seemed hopeless. The frightened child said, Mother, what shall we do? Mother said, Pray, dear. While the Lord cried unto God in her heart, the child prayed, Jesus, I trust you. 
Jesus, I trust you. She said this many times. From the moment, from that moment, the waters began to recede. Now, God does not always answer in that physical way. Sometimes the way that God heals someone is by taking them home to be with Him. And sometimes we don't understand God's ways. But God's ways are always right. And He is always there. Remember, even Jesus, one of His last prayers on the cross was, Into Thy hands I commit my spirit. Even after he had been made a sacrifice for us, even after he had become sin for us, he still know, still knew that the best place to place himself, the best hands to place himself into were the hands of his Father. And then our final point, Jesus overcame the world and went to the Father. John chapter 16, verse 28. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. I leave the world and go to my Father. His disciples said, Lo, thou now thou speakest plainly and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. Um, By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus said, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, now, that you shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. Yet, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome. So, Jesus is saying here that he came from the Father... At some point in eternity past, he and the Father agreed on this redemption plan whereby he would step into the human race and become one of us. And not just as an adult, but as a child, he would become one of us. He would experience everything that we experience as men and children. And then he would redeem us. And he says he's going back to the Father. If we continued on into John 17, we would find that Jesus would ask the Father, Restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world was. Proverbs chapter 30 says, talking about the creation of the world, says, Who hath laid the foundations of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? If you know it. See, even the writer of the Proverbs knew that God had a son who would be revealed. Isaiah prophesied thousands of years before Christ, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son. That is the hope that we have. That Jesus left the Father, and then He's going back to the Father. And again, 
His purpose in being there is to prepare a place for us and to also intercede for us while we are here on earth. And then Jesus reflects on the fact that the people, his disciples, the ones that had followed him for so long, they will be scattered. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. What was it that Peter said? He said, I will never leave you, Lord. I will die for you. And and yet when three people said, surely, you know, one of his disciples, what did he do? He said, I do not know the man. And the Gospel of Luke says that at that very moment, Jesus looked over at him. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. But we see the contrasting of two different hearts, even in this, because Judas betrayed Jesus and he did not seek forgiveness. He got caught up in depression and he hanged himself. Peter wept bitterly and he chose to repent. Jesus had said, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that when you are converted, when you are strengthened, that you will strengthen your brothers. And then the disciples did leave Jesus in the garden so that the scripture might be fulfilled. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Everything that happened to Jesus was a direct fulfillment of the Holy Scriptures. John 14, 1 to 3. John 14, 1 to 3. Our final cross reference of the day. This incidentally was one of the early passages of scripture that I learned. I remember one day my grandma was babysitting us. I don't remember why. But she encouraged me to memorize this verse. And so whenever I read it, I think of her. And uh, she's still with us, but she has dementia. So I can't have normal conversations with her. But I will always be thankful for her planting the scriptures in my mind, in my life, and in my heart. So if someone could read... John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
So he says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to go and I'm going to come again. See, when Jesus' first coming happened, it had been prophesied many times, and the Bible said, when the fullness of time had come, Christ came, born of a woman, to redeem those who are under the law. Because we couldn't get out from the scourge of the law. And so if, if Jesus can come after all that time, then we can trust that he's coming again no matter how much intervening time occurs. And he said that he would be with us even to the end of the age. The age hasn't ended, so he's still going to be with us. And he's actually going to be with us forever because Paul says at the end of his famous passage in in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, So shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What a blessing that is. And I hope that you can find encouragement in that today. Trouble may be sent to us by God, but it is not necessary for us to know why. That old saint of Scotland, Samuel Rutherford, once in deep distress, was distress, was tempted to murmur and almost gave up hope, but ere long he was given comfort and strength in his distress and began to see the purpose of it. It was, it was then that he wrote that we must never try to read God's messages through the envelope in which they come. He meant that it takes time for God's purpose to be made clear to us. Fool that I was, wrote Rutherford, not to know the messages of God are not to be read through the envelope in which they are enclosed. It's interesting, in the story of Joseph, you see this, because Joseph is, is a favored son of his father, He is given the coat of many colors, which is usually given to an oldest son. And then his brothers get jealous. He has these dreams, and he tells them about them, and then they want to kill him, and they throw him into a pit. So he went from being the favored son to being thrown into a pit. And then... And then he gets taken out of the pit and gets sold into slavery. Then he rises up in Pharaoh's house or in Potiphar's house and becomes a high in command. And then he gets thrown in prison and then he becomes highly in command in the prison. And then he gets pulled out of the prison to lead Egypt as the second in command. Pharaoh basically says, every word of Joseph will be law. 
only I will be above the voice of Joseph. And Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil in selling me to the Egyptians, God meant for good, and he's used me to save many people, including you brothers, a lot. So may we all look at life a little bit differently today, knowing that God works through all the struggles and troubles that we have to work out His will. I am so blessed by that. I hope that you are as well. So to review our points in closing... The Holy Spirit is a gift to us as a guide. We have the Holy Spirit as a guide. This gives us hope in hard times. God brings joy out of sorrow. This gives us hope in hard times. Because we know that he turns our sorrows into joy. Jesus is our intercession. Jesus is our intercessor. This gives us hope. If we were going to trial, we would want the best defense attorney ever, and you can't get any better defense attorney than the one who not only defends us daily before the throne of God, but the one who paid the penalty, who can show his pierced hands and his pierced feet and say, I paid that penalty. And then finally, Jesus overcame the world and went to the Father. See, all of Jesus' teachings and the great things that he had done, if he hadn't gone to the cross, if he had said, the cross is too far, they would have all been in vain. Or if he had gone on the cross and then not risen from the dead. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. But now is Christ risen? He is risen. Therefore he said, what I will say to you to end this meeting, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your watch care over us. Thank you for being present in this meeting. I thank you for giving me guidance and direction as I prepared this message and I just and, and guidance and direction during this message and I pray that we would all rely on you for our strength as we go through about our day and about the tasks of the week ahead. I ask this in Jesus name. Amen.